I like that last line. We got lots of work to do, you and I. And that's really what uh, the essence of this message is about. My name is Israel, as Graham said. And I'm just so impressed with what God's done here in Paso Robles uh, with the one-ton campaign and, and just how every time I come, I come like once a year. And you guys just keep blowing up. You guys are getting bigger and better and God's doing something in your midst. And I want to thank God for that. I also want to thank God for Graham and uh, his friendship, and it's a, you know, we need good friends, you know what I mean? And it's just an amazing thing to see all the people that, that um, you, you, you know, we usually just come, whatever service you come to, you kind of slip in, you slip out, and that's a blessing. There's a lot of work that's been put into it. Can we just give them a hand for all the people that, that put in time? <clears throat> There's a lot of work to do between uh, you and I need to do. Today is uh, obviously the Sunday before Thanksgiving. You probably have plans. You probably are going to go somewhere, uh, and it's, it might be a mixed bag. Uh, there's going to be a lot of food, but you've got to deal with so-and-so. Uh, it's going to be cranberry sauce, but there's also going to be maybe some, some unknown or maybe some, some stuff that's just been lingering on for a long time. You ever, you ever, uh, families are really good about covering up things and not talking about them, and then they usually just blow up. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have that kind of family? Okay, I'm the only one that had with that kind of family. Uh, this Thanksgiving can be an opportunity for you to do just that. It can be a time of thankfulness, but also can be a time of praise. When, when, they, uh, when President Lincoln signed it official to make it a federal holiday, uh, to make, do, do I need to move over here? Feedback, giving back, all right. When, when President Lincoln uh, made it an official holiday, it was already something that the people were doing. And they were writing letters to him and said, we need to make this an official thing. And so what he did is he had, I think, the Secretary of State that he had uh, wrote it, an official document, a proclamation of thanksgiving and praise. And it was a day that the last Thursday of, of November would be a time when the whole country would stop and say, Thank you. Thank you to who? Thank you to God. In the midst of civil war, we were going to stop as a nation and thank God for all of the provisions, for all of the blessings, even in the midst of war. And this is what uh, he said, if I can find it, because I got 15,000 pages up here. He said, these are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. You know, that's, that's the kind of God we serve. A kind of God in the midst of our own sinfulness and brokenness, God continues to shower gifts upon us and remembers mercy. You know what mercy is? How about the, the difference between mercy and grace? Do you guys know that definition? Some of you do. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is what you get what you don't deserve. Does that make sense? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is what you get when you have no business receiving it. And that's the gospel. And we're going to talk about mercy and grace. We're going to talk about that. It was estimated that 15 million slaves arrived to the Americas over the centuries, from, I believe, in the 1500s all the way to the 1800s. 15 million slaves arrived in, our, in the Americas, not just the United States, but throughout the Americas. 
Those are the ones that actually lived, survived. It would usually take almost two months' journey to cross the Atlantic. And if you survived, if you survived the harsh conditions, the inhumane conditions, where you were confined to, let's just say that the smallest closet in your house would have been a nice bedroom aboard one of those ships. If you survived those conditions, you would be then immediately sold into slavery for the rest of your life. And I'm not here to make us feel bad or to re-enter that just for the sake of re-entering it. It's pertinent because not only is this a, a time where we can be thankful from the things that God has delivered us from, but we have to be mindful as a church who is in bondage, who is oppressed, because those are the people that God is working on. And the question is, will we join God in what God's already doing? And Philemon, because I heard you guys were doing a series on heroes, is a book that a lot of people don't talk about. You don't hear preachers talking about Philemon. In fact, this is the first time I preached on Philemon, so I can't talk bad about anybody. <laughs> I heard you guys are doing something about heroes. How, how Graham uh, preached on uh, Stephen. He called him Steve. I thought, that's cool. So I'm going to call Philemon Phil. I want to be cool too. <laughs> and you also talked about John, who was on the island of Patmos, and in the midst of suffering, he has this revelation. He has the revelation of Jesus, and he's caught up in the worship of it. And there's a message to the church. And in fact, those, those seven churches that, were in, that, uh, that he addressed were churches in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. And that's exactly where our story begins today. One of the cities nearby Laodicea is called Colossae, and that's also, we know, the book of Colossians. It's possible that this letter, Philemon, was written by Paul. It's, that's, I'm not doubting that. But it's possible that when Onesimus, that is the, the runaway slave, that goes, goes back to, the, to his slave owner and the household that he abandoned and left, probably for good reasons and for bad reasons, he carries not only this letter that is addressed to Philemon in the church, but he also carries with him the book, the letter of the, uh, called Colossians. It's possible. And in the book of Colossians, it says, forgive those that need to be forgiven because God has forgiven you. And this is exactly the point of Philemon. You know, I was surfing the internet and I, and I saw the word hosp be hospitable. Uh, Paul actually at the end of this letter says, Make, I want you to make hospitality for me. I'm going to come to you. I want to come to you. In other words, prepare a guest room for me. He sends him a letter. He sends the runaway slave back to Philemon, the slave owner, the rich Roman citizen that he was with, the, with a big house and a lot of land. And he had a church in his house. He sends Onesimus back with, the, with his letter. And it could have been either a death sentence or it could have been a, a whole new life. But at the end of the letter, Paul says, be hospitable. And we translate it, prepare a guest room. You ever, you ever have guests over at your house? You're probably going to have guests over Thursday if you didn't know. <laughs> and and you, some, there's something about a hospitable host. Have you ever gone to someone's house? They weren't really hospitable. You were kind of an annoyance. Or maybe they were just putting up with you for a little bit. 
Or maybe you're like that. You're not, you're not really a great host or hostess, and God's working on you. You know, it's a, it is a spiritual discipline to be hospitable. It is a spiritual discipline to be hospitable to the stranger, to be hospitable to the foreigner, to be hospitable to the person that we have prejudged. And so at the end, he says, prepare a guest room for me. And I was looking on the Internet and I was looking up the word hospitality and something jumped up. It was this hotel, I think, in Colorado. And he basically this guy, I think he was a, either a custodian or a gardener. He was definitely Mexican. And, and, and I say that because I'm Mexican, but even though I don't look like it, I'm undercover. And my, my father's mother was German. And uh, he, his, his, my father's father was Mexican, and my mom is from Mexico. So I'm basically German on the outside and, and Mexican on the inside. Is that okay? So I have like this German coating, and it's pretty cool. But there's this, there's this worker, and he got, a, he got the award, Hospitality Superhero Award at this hotel. You know what he did? He was just minding his own business. He was doing his work. I don't know if he was a gardener or custodian. It doesn't really matter. There was a wedding happening that day. And it's, the bride was about to go up. And, and uh, you know, the whole march and everything. And she broke her heel. And, you know, that's probably not a good thing for a bride. That'd be the last thing. You know, why do always bad things always happen on a wedding? You ever notice that? It's pretty interesting. It's to set them up for what... No, I'm, jo- I'm choking. All right. All right. All right, that's not good. I didn't plan that. Okay. But the, 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 the hotel worker immediately saw the need, went over there, got some materials, fixed it right on the spot like MacGyver. No one asked him. He wasn't trying to look for an award. He just wanted to be hospitable. And he got the hospitality superhero award. You know, Philemon, in my book, gets the hospitality superhero award. Let me show you. This is Paul writing to Philemon, and he says this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, this is the wealthy Roman citizen with all the rights and privileges that went with it, our dear friend and co-worker, to Apphia, our sister, that's, some people think that's actually his uh, wife, that's why she's named, that's Phil's wife, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier. We don't really know who this is, but he says fellow soldier. Some scholars think that's, that's probably the son. But it doesn't look like that. It might be that he's actually the pastor of that church that meets in Phil's house. You know, the church grew house to house. For 300 years, Christianity was misunderstood and persecuted. And it blossomed. It blossomed. It flourished. The harder they tried to stomp it out, the more it grew. The church fathers said that the blood of the martyrs was seed. Seed. And it just continued to grow. He says, grace to you, peace from God our Father. And he writes to the church in your house, grace to you, that is all of you. In, in the Greek, and even in Spanish, you can, you can dif- differentiate when you say the word you. It could be a singular you, like you, or y'all. That's where the southern accent is really, like the country Christmas, that's really good. Y'all and you. There's a big difference, isn't there? So Paul says, grace to y'all. 
Verse 4, when I remember you in my prayers, you, Philemon, I thank God, I thank, always thank my God, because I hear of your love, Phil, for all the saints, and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. His prayer is this, that his faith would become effective, that his faith would become strong. That's a good prayer. I think that's the prayer I need over my life for the rest of my life. Isn't that what, if you, if you want that prayer said over you, just raise your hand. That your faith would be strong. And you know when it becomes strong? When you perceive all the good that we may do together in Christ. One ton campaign. Come on, somebody. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love, Phil, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough to, in Christ to command you to do your duty, Paul is an apostle. Paul started this church. Paul has the apostolic weight and authority from Jesus Christ, from the church. He was sent out from the church in Jerusalem to preach the gospel to the Gentile world. He says, I could command you to do your duty, to do what's right, to do what's fair. Yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man. And what's he getting at? Verse 10, I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus. You're what? My child. Paul says he's my child. Why? Whose father I become during my imprisonment. Whose father I become. Literally, who I gave birth to in my time of prison. During my time of prison, I gave birth to Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was alive. He was well. He was a runaway slave. But he says, I birthed him. And this has to be in a spiritual way and also perhaps in just in a relational way. We live in a fatherless generation. And that's, and that's not something that we signed up for as a nation uh, because of World War I, World War II, and even the other wars, the wars we don't really talk about too much, Korea, Vietnam, and even this last war. We live in a nation where fathers have died. And, that, and, that, and that's just not, our, not only our nation. That happened in the Civil War as well. The profound effect of the loss of fathers, the breakdown of the family. How many know we need fathers who are there? And Paul says, I became his father. My father died when I was four years old. He was, when I was four years old, he died. He was 32 years old. He was the only one in his family to ever graduate from college. In fact, he, he graduated from high school and he, he really didn't give it his all. He's like, I'm not going to college. Uh, we can't afford it. He grew up in Marfa, Texas. Marfa, Texas. Where is that? <laughs> Marfa? Are you kidding me? I drove up when I was 16 years old. I drove up to Marfa, Texas to find out the place where my father was, was, was born. There, there was one stoplight. I, I kept driving. That was Mar my brother says, That's, that was Marfa back there. That's Marfa? Okay. We had to drive, reverse, go back. He was the only one in his family to graduate. He died as he was an electrical engineer. He was offered two job offers. He said, they said, you can have a job in uh, San Jose or Port Wyneme because he was an electrical engineer, two government uh, jobs. He took the one in Port Wyneme, and I grew up in Oxnard Ventura. It's funny how life is. 
We think we're responsible for the way we are, the where we, where we grew up. Where, you know, I, I pulled myself up from where I am. It's interesting how our family history has, has marked us, has paved the way for good or for, for bad. Isn't, isn't it interesting how, how you are where you are today because of someone else before you? And you're, and you're making a legacy. You're charting a new course for your family. Paul says, I have become his father. This astounds me because Paul's a hero here too. But we can't talk about all the heroes here. Paul's a hero. He's in prison. He's doing ministry. If I was in prison, I would not be doing ministry. I would be writing for someone to do ministry to me. Hello, when are you going to visit me? Paul says, yes, Timothy is with me. Paul needed ministry. Graham needs ministry. Jamie needs ministry. I need, we need encouragement. We need people who are going to say, you know what? I believe in you. I am for you. God is working on you. And, you know, you can smirk at that one. You know. God's working on all of us. Paul does ministry. He befriends and he fathers Onesimus. There's pe- probably people in this congregation that need a spiritual father. Probably people in this congregation. Right now, you're sitting here and you're lost. You're broken. Because the father that you had probably was there, but not there, if you know what I mean. Didn't show encouragement. Didn't show approval. And you're broken inside. You know what? That affected me growing up. That I didn't have a father that was there when I went to, to soccer practice. I looked at all the other kids and they had father. I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? And that can mark us. And if you have a father and if your father's there, God bless you. God, thank God for that. But if you didn't have a father growing up, and I don't even know why I'm going here. This was not part of the first three services, by the way. <laughs> that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. You know what I have decided? I decided that even though I did not have a father, I was going to be a good father. I was going to be a father that was there. And I'm not a really great father. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. We need fathers. We need good mothers too. Yeah, let's throw that out there. Why is it that mom's always there though? Mom's always there. I'm going to see my mom this Thursday. I called her up. I said, Mom, what do you want me to bring? She said, mijo, that's my son. You just bring yourself. I said, no, no, no. I want to bring a honey-baked ham or something. Your brother's already got that. Oh, man. <laughs> she said, mijo, when you get here, you make the mashed potatoes. You make the bomb mashed potatoes, she said. <laughs> okay, we're not going to talk about that. I'm going to get hungry. I'm going to get hungry. Now, Paul says, formerly he was useless to you. You know the name Onesimus means useful? Onesimus, the runaway slave's name, means useful. Paul has a play on words. He says, formerly he was useless to you. He ran away. He left you hanging. And did you know that in the average, the average uh, price of a slave back then was two years' salary? Two years' salary. So you can just imagine. Double your salary in two years and think, if you were a slave owner back then in the Roman world, which would have been culturally accepted, and so dominant 
Paul doesn't challenge the notion, the, the actual institution of slavery here on a, on a worldwide level, but he does challenge it on a church relationship level. You see, I think it would have been, I think it would have been really not that impressive for Paul just to write this huge treatise against slavery and not write this letter. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, all, it's great to have a, your philosophy and all your bullet points and they're shining in the darkness, but if you don't do something about the person in front of you, it's really useless. So Paul sends him back. Now, if you were a slave owner and you didn't read Philemon, you would say, I like Philemon. Paul sends him back. You see, the Bible supports slavery. He sends him back. But you have to read. Why is it we only read the parts we like? I don't see this on a refrigerator magnet. <laughs> verse 16, verse 15, perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever. In what way? No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. No longer as a slave. Now the other servants in the house would be paying attention to what Phil did with Onesimus. Is he going to let him off the hook? He better not. He better beat him down. Because that was accepted. And if a runaway slave was caught and brought back by a bounty hunter, they would, they would actually put an F. They would brand an F on the forehead of a runaway slave. So Onesimus thinks, either I'm going to get an F on my forehead or I'm going to die. But there was another option. Because of the power of the gospel, we know that Phil is the hospitable person. He not only opens his heart to Christ, he not only opens up his home to the church, he not only refreshes the hearts of the saints around him, but he actually receives Onesimus as a brother. He not only forgives him, but he reconciles with him, and he not only reconciles with him, he promotes him. Now, how do you know that, Israel? We're not told that he does that. We have the letter. We have the letter. The letter's proof, in my opinion, that Phil did what Paul asked. Receive him as a brother. Who's the Onesimus in your house? Who's the Onesimus in your family? Who's the Onesimus in your job? Who's the person that has wronged you, left you hanging, and you have not forgiven? I'm reading a book, and I'm in with this because I'm way over. The Art of Forgiving by Lewis Smedes. It's Prophet Fuller. He died before I got there at Fuller. The art of forgiving. It'll change your life. It's changing mine. Who's the, who's the Onesimus in your life? This Thursday, you have a choice. You can be hospitable on a, on a surface level or you can be a superhero. You can forgive when that person has no business receiving forgiveness. Why? You've been forgiven. Let's pray. Lord, we are the Philemons, the ones who need to forgive. And we're also the Onesimus character. We're also the ones who ran away from you, run away from our families, and we need to be restored. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us, Lord, to, to actually embody the message. Lord, 
You, Jesus, are the great wall breaker and the bridge builder. Enable us, Lord, to break down the walls that separate us from each other through your power, the walls of race, the walls of culture, Lord, the walls of socioeconomic status, all those walls, break them down and help us to build bridges with de-church people, broken people. In Jesus' name, amen.